account this week is from 2 Chronicles chapter 31, Hezekiah's fruits. Okay, we've been reading about Hezekiah, king of Judah. Great, 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 great grandson of David and Solomon, living at the time of Hoshea, king of Israel, the last king of the northern tribes in Israel, and during the prophets Isaiah and Micah. Okay, so picking up. Chapter 31, verse 2, Hezekiah appointed divisions of the Kohanim and the Levites according to their divisions. Each man according to his service, the Kohanim and the Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve, to give thanks, and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. Now we read in the last two chapters over the last few weeks, uh, Hezekiah uh, rededicated the temple, opened up the doors, um, and reconsecrated the, the Levites and the Kohanim and had a massive Passover, inviting people from the north, from Israel, to come down and join them. And God blessed, and they had, instead of seven days, 14 days of festivities together. And so now here in this chapter, it says Hezekiah appointed divisions of the Kohanim. So he brought them, he consecrated himself, he consecrated the Kohanim, he consecrated the ministers, he consecrated the the building, the, the city, the nation, to the Lord. And now he's appointing them divisions, and the Levites according to divisions, and each man according to his service, some for burnt offerings, some for peace offerings, some to serve, some to give thanks, some to praise. Everyone had their division, their role, their service, their ministry. This is organization. You know, some people who say they don't believe in organized religion. Well, the only other option is believing in disorganized religion. And that's a lot of what's out there today. There's a lot of disorganized religion. But the Bible throughout it has organization. God is a God of order. He ordered the planets. He ordered the, the, the creation. It was all done in an orderly way. Right? Things that needed other things were created right after each other. Right? If you had a you know, long span of time of, 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 of creating plants, before you had any mammals, the plants would die. They need mammals to give them carbon dioxide. You know, and, and if you had a long period of time of having plants with light, too much light would burn them up. Or a long period of time with darkness. They would need the light. You know? So everything was done in order, and everything needed each other. Right? And they balanced each other out. And so God created in order, and then he created the nation of Israel with order, everything all along. Noah had order in building the ark and bringing the animals in. Everything in order. David set up an order, building the temple. Solomon continued the order. And so we see Hezekiah reestablishing the order that God had established. Everything in God's creation is orderly. Heaven, as we read about in Daniel and Revelation, as it's described in other places in the Bible, see order up there. Cherubim, the angels, flying in order, praising him around his throne. The way God created our bodies, everything works in an orderly system. Food goes in one place, it comes out another place. Right? It's an order all the way through. Right? It goes through a whole system 
to go through us and turn it into energy, into our life, our lifeblood. Everything's done in order. Everything serves things. The rain comes down, fills the lakes, causes the rivers, goes down, feeds the plains, waters the plains, and then goes down out into the ocean, and evaporates and goes back up into the sky. We've got an orderly system. Even in this sinful world where things die, the trees die and they decompose. And they become fertilizer for more things to grow. Everything has a cycle. Everything has an order. God is an orderly God. And that's what Hezekiah is reestablishing. And that's how our lives should be. Our lives should be orderly, systematic in our lifestyle. Having a time for prayer as we start our day. Having times throughout the day. That's why it's good to pray you know, before a meal. Not just pranking God for the meal, but it's a good pause to get caught up with God, what happened since the time you had your last meal. Or before you go driving somewhere to pray, and not only for safety, which is important, but again, to get caught up and connect with God. It's an order, to an orderly time of reading the Bible. An orderly way of reading the Bible. It might be times to haphazardly just throw the Bible on the table and see what it opens up to, you know, and read that if you want. But it's good to read the Bible in some kind of order, whether chronologically or, or, or orderly, or at least a, a book in order, to get the theme of the book, the theme of the writer, the consistent message. And then our lives should be orderly in how we live, consistent in work, consistent in schooling, consistent in our marriage, dependable, orderly, everyone having their role, everyone having their place. Not everyone doing everything. Right? There's a, that story, right? Everyone thought somebody was going to do it, and somebody thought anybody was going to do it, and nobody did it, you know, when really somebody should have done it, you know, the whole thing, you know, and everyone has its place and its order. Don't depend on someone else. Someone else is going to do it. Nor think that you should do everything. Know what God has called us to do and be about the division that God has called us individually and corporately as a family of God, as a congregation, and as a people of what God has called us to do and be. So everyone had their place and was given their role. Verse 3. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and the evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths and the new moons and the set feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. So Hezekiah directed his life, ordered his life according to the word of God, according to the law of God. The law is also orderly in the way God gave it. The first four commandments are interaction with God, our love for God, and the last six commandments, our love for humanity. Orderly placement of the commandments. And so Hezekiah, as he did before, he consecrated himself, he rededicated himself, then he rededicated the leaders, and the, the temple, and the city, and the people. So here again, he is leading by doing, he appointed a portion of possessions for the burnt offerings. He gave of his own four burnt offerings to be taking place. He appointed that a portion of his own possessions would be given for all these different types of burnt offerings. Morning and evening, again we should have morning and 
evening prayer times and worship times. For the Sabbaths and the new moons and the feasts, he provided from himself, from his own possessions, he gave back to the Lord. As king, instead of just taking, he gave. And again, as God creates things, everything gives to something else. Even a dead tree gives. The only thing in the universe that does not give is the selfish heart of man and the selfish heart of fallen angels. That just takes, 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 takes. Gimme, 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 gimme. Everything else gives to someone else. The bees pollinate, all these things have their place and their role. Even the ants, they dig up the dirt and aerate the soil. But the selfish heart does not. It's an empty black hole that just takes and never gives. So king, he's giving. Even as king, he's giving. He's given a portion, and an appointed portion, a set portion, an orderly, and he set it aside for all through the, not only for the day, through the daytime, morning and evening, and for specific things, and also for specific times throughout the year. He had it planned out. An orderly, systematic system of giving to the Lord. Not, well, who needs it the most, or who has the loudest cry, or who has the biggest tears, or who has the most emotional appeal, or what do I like to give to? but systematically according to the law of God, the word of God. Verse 4, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the Kohanim and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So he did, and then he commanded the people to do likewise. Faithful king. That's a way to lose your support of your, your, uh, your kingdom, huh? <laughs> Oh, it was great having a party, king. Now you want us to give? <laughs> he gave and he commanded the people to give as well. So the Levites and the Kohanim could be supported to do the work that God has called them to do. Now the Kohanim and the Levites, according to the law of God, also gave and returned tithe also. So they received tithe and they gave tithe and offering from that tithe and offerings that they received from the tithe that they received. And so he said, according to the law of God. Well, what was the law of God says? Well, in the book of Leviticus, which is for the Levites in the Kohanim, all the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe is God's. It's his. It's holy. It's sanctified. It's special. It's set apart. It's not ours. It's God's. And it is holy. All the tithe, tithe is 10%. 10% of all that God has blessed us with is the Lord's. That's what the law of the Lord says. In Deuteronomy, also from the Torah, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So we can say, well, hey, I earned this. I worked harder. I have this degree and earned this and but God's the one who gave us the ability to get. God gives us the ability, the power, to get wealth. God gave us the brains. God gave us the hands, the feet, the abilities that we have, the talents to earn the wealth 
that we get. Or however you got whatever you get. Whether you inherited it from your parents or whatever. God gave us the power. God opened the doors to get the wealth that we have. And that includes every penny and every dime, right? So you might not look at wealth as being rich wealth, but wealth, any income, anything that we have, finding a dime on the street, whatever it is, God gives us the ability to gain wealth. And in Exodus, also from the Torah, also from the law of the Lord, the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. So Moses also, according to the word of God, the law of God, asked the people to bring offerings. So the tithe was for the Levites and the Kohanim. But the offerings were for the material for the work of the building of the temple. And so Moses made an appeal for that. And the people received that appeal and gave willingly, whose hearts were willing to bring. So the tithe is a set amount. The offerings is according to the willingness of the heart. And for different uses, the tithe for ministers, the offerings for the work of the, the building, and all the other expenses. And the people here in Exodus gave willingly. So let's go back to Hezekiah and see how the people gave in his day. Right? He commanded. They just had this party. They just had this 14 days. Did they appreciate that? Did they really consecrate themselves to the Lord? They made all these promises to the Lord. We will serve him. They dedicated their lives to the Lord. Well, how did it pan out? It's one thing to say, Lord, Lord. It's one thing to, to, uh, to make a profession. It's one thing to come forward for an appeal. It's one thing to be immersed, but does the life live out? And we see Hezekiah understood that being a follower of God is more than just attending a 14-day Passover. It's more than just eating together. It's more than just praying together. It's more than just having a label on your title and your name. Being a professed believer of God but it needs to be lived out in the life. And so he calls them on it and asks them to demonstrate their love for the Lord, to demonstrate if they really have committed to him and live it out in their lives. And the first area of this next chapter, right after that, he tells them, live it out. But what's in your wallet? That is a commercial. It was a commercial. I don't even know if it's still on. I never saw it to begin with. I guess it was on for a while before I knew anything about it. I was at the store one day, and, and I went to pay, and I pulled out my wallet, and the lady said, what's in your wallet? I thought, what are you asking me what's in my wallet? <laughs> I know there was a commercial that says, what's in your wallet? Right? But that's what it shows what's in our heart. By where our wallet is. Our checking account shows us where our heart is. Our credit card account shows us where our heart is. And so that's where God with Moses, and now we see again with Hezekiah. Okay, he came to the meeting. That was great. Now you're going to live it out every day. So in Exodus they did. How about in Hezekiah's day, time during the kings? 
Oh, sorry. Before I get to that, I wanted to give you the picture. Give it an illustration. <laughs> that looks like you? Okay, yeah. So, let's say your neighbor borrows your ladder. Comes by, can I borrow I'm painting my, doing some work on my roof or painting? Can I borrow your ladder? And so you let him borrow your ladder. And if he survives the experience of your ladder, and he comes back and he returns your ladder to you. Did he do anything? Did he do you a favor? Did he do anything meriting any great reward? Whose ladder was it? Yours. And so he's bringing you back your own ladder, right? So if it's in at least as good shape as when you gave it to him, you're doing good. Now, what if he didn't return your ladder to you? What would he be called? A thief. Yeah, a thief. He stole from you. Right? It's your ladder. You lent it to him. He didn't give it back. You're a thief. Or he's a thief, right? So whose is the tithe? God. It says, all the tithe is the Lord's. It's holy to his. Now, he lets it pass through us. He, in a sense, lends it to us or lets us manage it or tests us, really, by putting it in front of us, but it's really not ours. It's like if I say, here, can you give this money to so-and-so? I'm entrusting you to go give it to so-and-so, not for you to go spend it somewhere else. So God puts it in our hands to test us to give it back to him through the tithe system and the ministry and service. So when we're turning God's ladder, when we're returning God's tithe, we really haven't done anything meriting anything. There's anything that's really good other than not be a stealer, a thief. So we're returning what's his in returning the tithe. He just gave it to us for safekeeping. Or again, really as a test. Do you really love me? Are you really willing to put me first? And so now, if the guy returns your ladder to you, and when he returns the ladder to you, he comes back, and where's the next picture? Oh, well, sorry. It's supposed to be a picture of a gift. He brings you a gift. Let's say he brings you a gift. Now, is he doing something nice? Yes. Did he need to give you a gift? No. Did you make that a condition? Well, I'll give you the ladder as long as you give me a gift. No. He's showing appreciation for you entrusting him with your ladder. And so when we return an offering, that's when we are really now starting to demonstrate our appreciation for what God has done for us. If we return the tithe, we're being honest. We're returning what's God's. When we return offerings, or when we give offerings, so we return tithe and we give offerings. Right? You can't technically give tithe. You let the guy the ladder and he returns your ladder. He's not giving you a ladder, is he? He's returning the ladder. Right? When he brought you a gift, he gave you a gift. Right? So we return tithe because it belongs to who? God. It's the Lord's. So we're returning God's tithe. When we give an offering on top of that, we are showing our appreciation and thanks and we are giving to the Lord from the 90% that he says we can do with as we want, under God's guidance. So let's now see 
how the people in Hezekiah's day did. Verse 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 31 still. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance of first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So that's good. So the message sunk in. Their commitment to the Lord was real. Their experience with God over those 14 days of hearing the word of God, and remember it said, and they confessed their sins. They received God's forgiveness. They gave burnt offerings for forgiveness of sins, sin offerings. They confessed their selfishness. They, accept, they confessed their, their greed. They accept their, confessed their, their not following the word of God. They're not returning faithful tithe for whatever years or whatever. They received God's forgiveness. They received God's heart. They received God's Holy Spirit. That gave them new desires. That now gave them a desire to give. Because God's heart is a giving heart. The carnal heart, the natural heart, is a selfish heart. And so a true demonstration that we have God's heart is if we start doing what God does and God gives. God so loved. He demonstrated that love by giving. And he gave his most precious, only begotten son. So that we may receive everlasting life. God's a giver. He gives, he gives, he gives. When we have his heart, we want to give. And we become, as Karen said earlier, a cheerful giver. That's a demonstration that we have God's heart. When we are cheerfully giving, we could say, oh, the Bible said I have to give a tithe and I have to give an offering and so I'm going to do it. I hate doing it and I really don't want to do it and I wish I didn't have to do it. That means we have a selfish heart and we're trying to work our way to heaven. But when we allow God to give us his heart, first we have to allow God to take out, we give God our carnal heart allow, but through confession, Allow God to give us his heart, and he gives us a giving heart, a joyful heart, a loving heart, a happy heart. And we might have had a giving heart yesterday. We might have had a giving heart in the past. We might have had God's heart. And something might have come in and clouded it, recorrupted it, Satan retempted us. We took our eyes off the Lord. And so now we might be still doing the routine that we've been doing, but not cheerfully. That should be a light going off, a warning light, a siren going off. We gave up God's heart. Go and get it back. Reconfess the carnalness, reconfess the sin, reconfess the selfishness, re-forgive us, die for us, ask for his heart back again. And he makes us a cheerful giver. And as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought abundance of the first fruits of the grain, wine, oil, and honey. They gave. They gave willingly of all the produce of the field. I just heard this week someone say they, they met someone who said, uh, whatever the Jews are for, he's against because the Jews have always been bad. The Jews have always done wrong. 
I don't know what book of Bible he read. <laughs> but throughout the time, yeah, there were times where we read where they did what was wrong and all like that. But we see abundance of times where they heard the command of the Lord and they followed it because they had God's heart. And that's what God wants to do in our hearts and minds as well. They gave abundantly and brought the tithe of everything to the Lord. There's the picture. It's misplaced. There's the present. Verse 6. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid in heaps. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. So the Passover, they had the Passover instead of in the first month, they did in the second month that year. And then comes Shavuot and the harvesting. And so from the time of the harvesting, and they harvest all through the summer for four months, and they just kept bringing and kept bringing and they kept bringing, and it heaped up and it heaped up and it heaped up. There are some people who only give when they're at services. So if they're on vacation or they're sick or whatever reason they're not there, they don't give. And so basically they're treating services like going to the movies. They only pay when they're there. If they don't go, they don't pay. Because they're paying for the service in their mind, I guess. But God says to return as God has blessed us. And to give out of a joyful, cheerful heart for the work of the Lord, for God's work to go forward. And so they gave and they continue to give all through those months when there's no time for them to necessarily come to Jerusalem. There were no feasts or holidays during those times, but they gave and they just continued to give and it built up and laying it up in heaps and heaps and heaps of giving. And that's how it was in Exodus. Moses eventually had to say, stop, we have enough. But more than enough. Verse 8, when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Actually, did I pass the verse? Let's see. Yes, verse 6. Let's go back to verse 6. And the children of Israel and Judah. Remember, the nation was split. Hezekiah was only the king over Judah. But here the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah. So people from Israel immigrated, moved down to the south because they said, we want to serve the Lord. Up in the north, they're serving these idols. Up in the north, they got these two golden calves. Up in the north, the Assyrians are coming in. We want to serve the Lord. They moved and lived in Judah. And so a remnant of the 12 tribes ends up down in Judah and being preserved. Not because the ten lost tribes somehow intermarry and become continue, but because they moved down to Judah, thus they survived. That's right, so it's a good idea to move south. A good idea to move to Florida, right? South is where it is, right? So they moved south, they moved down to Judah, because that's where Jerusalem was, and they were worshiping the Lord under Hezekiah. So they willfully put themselves in a position where they could worship the Lord, and serve the Lord. 
And that's a good thing if you ever have to move. Job offer. Say, well, let me see what's over there where I can worship the Lord before I take that job offer. That should be an important criteria in moving. That was an important criteria because moving for them meant they gave up their inheritance. They had that land, Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun, they had that land based on what the Bible said they would get as land. And it would pass from generation to generation to them and to their descendants. It wasn't like you had, you know, 401ks or pension plans or retirement plans. Your retirement plan that you gave down to your children was your land. And so for them to leave Israel and go down and move to Judah... They literally gave up everything for the Lord so they could worship him. So I don't know where they were living because technically any of the Israelites didn't have any land in Judah and Benjamin. So maybe they're working for some other landowners from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. But they still gave. The children of Israel and Judah together gave oxen, sheep, tithe of holy things that were consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid them in heaps. Okay, so back up to verse 8. And when Hezekiah and Elita saw it, they blessed the Lord, because they knew that it came from the Lord moving upon the people's hearts. And they blessed the people. Verse 10. Azariah the Kohen Gadol said, the high priest, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. So they have these heaps. They've eaten. The Kohenim and the, and the Levites have eaten. And they say, since they gave, we have had plenty to eat. Obviously, before Hezekiah reopened the temple and the services, they didn't have much to eat. The Kohenim weren't given any land. They weren't allotted any land. They were dependent on the people giving, and giving willfully and cheerfully. And so they had plenty, and the Lord blessed his people. So their crops were blessed. They gave. They had more, and they gave more, and they ended up with more. For we have had plenty to eat and have plenty left over, for the Lord has blessed his people. God blessed his people. There's the cycle. Again, everything has a cycle. Our eating cycle, our living cycle, cycle of life, cycle of the seasons, cycle of the earth, cycle of the day. Everything has a cycle except the selfish heart of man that can break God's cycle. But when we're in God, there's a cycle. God gives, we give back. God gives more, we give back. God continues to give, we continue to give back. Return and give. Verse 11, Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and they faithfully brought in the offerings, the tithe, and the dedicated things. See the specific things. Offerings is one thing, tithes is another thing, and dedicated things. And so he prepared rooms. They're getting organized. They're organized, prepare rooms to give it out and to divide it up. And they faithfully brought in. Verse 16, and they distributed to everyone who entered the house of the Lord his daily portion for the work of his service by his division. Again, we see full circle. He's still organizing. 
that they organized for the work, and now they received, and he organized the receiving, and now he's organizing the work giving. Distributed to everyone who entered the house of the Lord, his daily portion for the work of his service. By his division. Everything orderly. Everything according to the word of God. Everything according to the law of God. Verse 20, thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. In every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, so he prospered. And the nation prospered under his tithe and during his tithe. So the pros- there's the prosperity gospel right there. <laughs> That's how to get the prosperity gospel. <laughs> Not just to say, Lord, Lord, and praise the Lord, but to do what Hezekiah did. He did what was good, and he did what was right, he did what was true before the Lord his God. He consecrated himself, he consecrated the temple, he gave, He dedicated the people. And in service and work, he began in the service of the house of God. And he followed the law of God and the commandments of God. And he sought the Lord and he continued to seek his God. And he did it with all of his heart. That's how you prosper. That's the prosperity gospel. That's how you get prosperity. By following this pattern. Following God's pattern. Following God's cycle following God's system, doing what is right in the Lord's eyes. So if you want to enter into that cycle, enter into that prosperity, that type of prosperity, God's prosperity, starts with surrendering and dedicating our hearts to God. It doesn't start by returning the tithe and giving the tithe and giving the offering. It starts by giving ourselves giving our hearts to the Lord, surrendering to him, seeking him, seeking him with all our heart. And even when we don't have a heart that that desires him, we can ask for God to give us a heart that desires him. Confess, Lord, I don't even desire you. Lord, I don't even think about seeking you. Lord, I don't even remember to pray to you in the morning. Lord, I don't even remember to pray to you at night. Lord, I get bored reading the Bible. I confess it. I have a carnal heart. I'm selfish. I confess it. Lord, take it away. Put it in yourself. Thank you for removing it. Thank you for killing it. Thank you for dying for me. Fill me with your heart. Give me a heart that seeks you early in the morning, that seeks you all day long, that seeks you with all of the heart. Give me a heart and a mind that desires you and wants you. Work in me and through me. Give me the ability and the power and the strength and the desire to follow your law, to follow your word, and to be obedient in all things, in tithes, in offerings, in service, in ministry, in worship, in attendance, in praise, in witnessing, in testifying. Make me faithful in everything, in my marriage, life, my 
school and my classes and my work, my family. Make me faithful and use me for your honor and glory. May each one of us, as it said there, they all, when they first heard the commandment, gave in abundance and willingly and cheerfully. May God move upon each one of our hearts to give ourselves completely to him because he has already given himself completely to us. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name that you love us with an everlasting love. We're thankful that even though we are born selfish and carnal and don't even desire you, we make ourselves our own gods. We're thankful that you love us and you come to us. You've drawn us with your love. You've drawn us here tonight. You've drawn us with your truth. You've drawn us with your word. Thank you for working in Hezekiah's life and in Moses' life and in the people in both those days and in other days. Move upon our hearts and minds right now, Joe. We want to surrender all to you. Thank you for having those siren lights and those warning lights go off in our mind of where our carnal heart is, where we're not in harmony with you, where we're not right with you. And forgive us and cleanse us. And give us joyful, loving, consecrated, dedicated hearts that seek you, find you, giving hearts, loving hearts, caring hearts, cheerful hearts. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.